I'm Jessica, Mariam, Amber, Leah, your girl Noelle, and I'm Joy, and we are the Ladies of Misperceptions. Twelve, eleven, twelve, twelve. Because we had thirteen. All right. Well, see, we're starting again. How we usually start all the time. We never know what episode number we're on. So, what's up, guys? We're back for another episode. This is episode twelve. I definitely know it's twelve. Yes. Yes. No confirmation. <laughs> no, it's twelve. I guess it's as good as mine. Twelve. I just looked it up. It's episode twelve. Um. So yeah, so how are you guys doing? We're doing good. good. Well, this episode is a super treat because we're talking about mental health amongst minorities. This episode is actually a fan uh, requested episode. Um, So yeah, I'm excited to dive into this. And then we brought on uh, somebody amazing that we all know. Uh, We know her. Uh, she's watched us kind of grow, um, yeah, and just a huge supporter, and we're just excited to, like, collaborate with her, Miss Dr. Jackie Candia. I'm so excited. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I am so absolutely honored to be with you young ladies tonight. Extremely excited to get into conversation and concerns that we all have had and still have. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It is such a good time to have it, especially for now, um, especially in the times that we are living in. So that is a super blessing. Um, So, yeah, so we're going to open up how we always open up. uh, And then we'll introduce um, some more of Dr. Jackie um, when we get ready to get into our conversation and we'll get into her bio and all that other good stuff. But um, so we going to talk about these health checks. What's going on? We're uh, still in quarantine, kind of, sort of, not really. I don't know. We're in this limbo, weird Some of state. us are. Some of us are. Yes. Yeah, so, so, something's <laughs> happening. I, I just know that. And I just know that people are definitely not adhering to any of these quarantine rules. No, uh, no. whatsoever. I don't know if it's the weather. Just people just don't care. <laughs> people are tired of being inside, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They are definitely tired of being inside. And that weather that's is super, breaking. Definitely. They're like, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a little upset with this weather because, like, it's like 80 degrees and it's going to be 60. Then it was hit <laughs> the other day. So right. I'm a little upset. I'm a, I'm a little upset with the weather right now. Because I don't know whether to change the closet over or not to. Yeah. Just, Just leave your closet. weather. <laughs> 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 that, 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 that's what this is. Uh, I don't know. So let's talk about, uh, so I was explaining earlier that I really wanted to watch the versus battle because people were really like, really, I, I don't know if they were ex- as excited as anyone else, but I definitely fell asleep on it. I turned it off. <laughs> I didn't even watch. <laughs> she was just like, throw the whole thing away. Yeah, I just threw the whole thing away. I, it did, I was like, all right, come on, let's, let's get with it. And they wasn't, it wasn't coming. Nah, it wasn't hitting? Mm-mm, not at all. Really? Mm. I think that all those technical difficulties in the beginning was like, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it definitely turned a lot of people <laughs> off. <laughs> what is happening? But the end, I could say, I was like in and out, like 
in and then I was like, okay, out, in, <laughs> again. <laughs> and then when I came back in, it got a little pop in a little bit and then I was like, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> what about you joy i watched the commencement uh program which was really good because i missed obama and complete sentences so that was awesome <laughs> see i didn't even catch that because i fell asleep so i'm not upset about that but i did watch on netflix michelle's becoming documentary Gosh, that Ooh, was phenomenal i couldn't start it as soon as i started it i start crying i was like i can't i can't watch it yet i can't watch it i'm not ready yet and i mean i would say the first 15 minutes and i just went into tears i'm gonna cry this entire program <laughs> <laughs> I, I, not, i'm not ready yet it's really <laughs> inspiring i i, I will say I, I love her yeah i do too and it made me love her even more and i'm just like i like what happened these last four years? Like, I'm so, like, thoroughly, like, I'm the same way as you. I was, like, about to start crying, and I, like, I was, like, I don't want this to end. But at the same time, I'm, like, oh, I miss the Obama yeah. so much. I love her. She, she's such an inspiring woman, so courageous and so supportive, and, and just, she, just she, she's a hands-on woman in yeah. every area of her life, in every stage of her life. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I started watching it and she's listening to her inspirational music in the car, I was like, I can't watch it. Nope, can't. <laughs> I'll get back to it. Um, but she's one that I, I've read both her books. Um, I've been following her for a long time. Yeah. I, I, I was just, I was really, I guess you could say, like I admired how like vulnerable she was and like honest and like, in her experience of how she viewed the white house and like how she even dealt with her kids in the white house how she dealt with other people how they made her feel like i i was i was i loved her her candidness in this in this in that entire documentary like i i was like you know if i really had like the money like that i would have definitely shelled out a couple thousand dollars to go see her like live i would have i would have been like forget it you mm -hmm. know Stuff's just not gonna get paid. I need to go see her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll handle this when I get back home. Yeah, I'll just handle it when I figure it out. You know what right. I mean? Like you only live once. Go ahead and do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. It was so good. I was I, I loved it. Um and then it happens to be some turn up twins birthdays. <laughs> recently <laughs> <laughs> we need we need daryl and his <laughs> right. oh my gosh and so there's a story to this whole thing it, it was quite the story and miss leah here decided she was going to try to get her turn up twin noelle by <laughs> surprising her for her birthday with like you know like a car parade like everybody else has been doing it, it was it was a great idea and she was like super gung-ho for it because she's like guess who's not in this chat room like, what's going on right now so um you know she's going throughout the week trying to make these plans and it's great like they're great plans so little but that's, but to her, 
we had me, Joy, Amber, and Miriam had our own chat. And Joy's like, you know we're gonna have to do this all over again on Friday. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right, we are. We gotta figure this out. So Amber's like, yeah, we're gonna do this on same on same day. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> so it was super funny. And then like just throughout the day, like trying to figure out who's texting in what chat. Yeah, hardest thing. Double check in the entire world because we're sitting here trying to surprise one person to surprise another person, and I'm just sitting here like I can't even text in the misperceptions chat room because that's just too many chat rooms. I can't, I can't do it. You're really gonna be confused. So long and behold, after that, we finally get to like surprise day. And <laughs> it was probably the funniest surprise <laughs> I have ever it was seen great. in my life. It was it was amazing. It was. And we showed up a surprise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Noelle was late. Boy. To her own surprise. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm like, Noelle, you know, I'm here. She's like, well, I'm going to drive up. I'm like, you're going to drive up? I'm well, like, first, after, after we waited 15 minutes at the door uh -huh. for, yeah. her yes. Yes. for her to drive up. Yes. Then she drives up. We're all hiding behind like random cars with balloons. With balloons. And all the time, like, oh, bang, Dr. Jackson. <laughs> Let me tell you something. These two were so far into conversation, we're legitimately walking down a hill <laughs> to her, and she does not see us. And, and when she like does see us, <laughs> she legitimately looks like she's about to have a heart attack, falls on her car, and like falls down. <laughs> what it, it is a dramatic? Like <laughs> it was a classic. <laughs> it was now like wonderful. it. I was very confused. <laughs> You guys are amazing. It was awesome. Yes, you guys are amazing. You got us good. You got us both go. good. Leah's like, oh, me too? Like, yeah, you too. Screams it all. Right. <laughs> Screams, tears, dances. We uh -huh. did it all. Meanwhile, we're in the parking lot. <laughs> and then even with us just being there, like, outside in the parking lot, we're like, we don't want to leave, so let's go for it. Like, you know, just missing that like togetherness and yeah, kind of weekly, not like virtually. It was it was nice, but it was beautiful. Quarantine style with the mask and all gloves. Yes, gloves. yes. Thank you first. We were adhering, except for me. I definitely did not have a mask on. I was. Um, neither did I. I don't it. know who I think I am, but you know. But yeah, so it was beautiful, and I hope you guys had the happiest birthdays. Oh, we did. Thank you, guys. And it Thank was you. so much fun. Yeah, it was amazing. Mm. Uh, and we had Joy's go ahead. amazing macaroons. I just got to put that out there. Right? Oh, my God. I just ate my last one today, Joy. <laughs> Are you baked oh. macaroons? Girl, oh, wow. wow. <laughs> so good. Wow. So good. You just yeah. eat it slow. Mm. Well, Amber with the dramatic like bites. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> like, 
I'm like, girl. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> oh my god, that was hilarious. I they were amazing, Joy. Amazing. Welcome, welcome. I'll be making some more. Yes. yes. You can just drop them off on my porch, I'm just saying, or in the mailbox. <laughs> yes, whatever. I can come outside. You just happen to have some in your car. I, I have no problem with that. I can meet you halfway, you know. It was that works. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You be knowing. So anything else, guys? Any more health up update checks, quarantine checks? No. No. No, just work. Work. I'm trying to figure out what juice I'm going to make for tomorrow. That's about it. Oh. I've been doing infusing water. Oh, come on, Joy. My sister's been infusing water. I still have yet to have some. Oddly. Uh, how's your uh, garden going, Amber? Fantastic. I have a new obsession. You have what? I've, I have a new obsession. I replaced shopping in the mall with Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> Buying flowers. I almost bought a whole palm tree. But then I was, oh. like, <laughs> and I was like, hmm, in the wintertime, where in my house am I going to fit this palm tree? I don't know. So... <laughs> That determined. Oh, it'll fit. It'll fit. I have one downstairs. I mean, <laughs> it'll fit. And it, as you get keep growing, mine is actually in a um a recycled can now. Oh. No, so it'll fit. Oh. You'll, okay. get it in She's You'll get it in there. She's it in there. Take it in and out. You get it. <laughs> See, I got it. I'll be going to Home Depot tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you don't know what you done started. <laughs> Are you going to vegetables and fruit? So I planted spearmint because I know it's good for mosquitoes to keep them away. Yeah. I started, I just did sunflowers. I have all kinds of vegetable seeds that I didn't start yet, but that's next. That's next. Ooh. Plant oh, therapy. Good. There we go. My plant therapy. <laughs> <laughs> keep us posted. My oh, sister's know. been on it too. She she bought a fern today, and I was like, she's like screaming at Whole Foods, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, I've been wanting to buy a fern, and I finally found. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was looking for ferns too, actually, but they were all dying where I went. So, well, Whole Foods got some really nice ferns, apparently. So, <laughs> if you wanted to take a drive, <laughs> I might take a drive. Leah's been buying some plants too. Yes. Uh, one, of, one of my birthday gifts was the uh, money tree plan, which I was looking for. So I'm so excited about that. That's yes. awesome. That's I've, nice. been, I've been looking at the string of pearls, I think it's called. Yeah, it that's what he said. So let me just see how I do with what I have. I have bamboo. So let me just see how this goes. And then... I'll keep you guys posted. 
I'm telling you, this this Fine whole farmer's market that we down. got is really about to be popping. So. <laughs> I know, I know. Fresh fruit and 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 cake and hey. juice and juice. vegetables. Juice and like it, it's a it's it's a whole thing, Doctor Jackie. I'm telling you. Oh wow, that's exciting. It's thing. Thirty exciting and get to know the earth and enjoy your pickings. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see what this bunny tree looks like. I've, I've, I've heard of them, but I've never seen one. Oh, Dr. Jackie, when it's all over, if you stay on for a few, I will show you. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, with that, we're going to get to this episode. So, this is going to be an interesting episode only because we're talking about mental health, especially amongst minorities. And I'm really excited about it because there's just... There's just going to, I feel like there's going to be a lot of pockets um, that we're going to be talking about. And um, Dr. Jackie's definitely going to give her um, her expertise in this area since she's worked in it uh, for a very long time. And she's, at this point, she's an expert. So that's a, that's a <laughs> expert at this point. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, so I'm just going to go over some, some, some points in this, in this, this in this bio. So we're, I, I might just read the whole thing. So, <laughs> pick things out. <laughs> so, Dr. Candia, a mental health and intellectual disability professional for over 35 years, 12 of which were in forensics. She desires to assist women of all ages, ethnic backgrounds, economic structure, and to search within and rise above their broken past. Those who struggle with low self-esteem, low self-worth, and low self-image, resulting from physical, sexual, mental, and emotional abuses. See, this is good already. You're gonna make me cry while I'm reading this. <laughs> Dr. Candia was a teenage mother, married at 19 years of age, and divorced by 21. She raised her son alone with the help of extended family members and loving friends. Dr. Candia has overcome a lifetime of fear, bullying, homelessness, and multitudes of abuse tracing as far back as five years of age. Dr. Candia took her first college course at the age of 35 and earned her Associates of Arts degree in psychology, her Bachelor of Science Human Service degree in Mental Health and Rehabilitation Services, her Masters of Arts Human Services degree in Marriage and Family Counseling, and her doctoral degree in human services with a concentration in multidiscipline human services. Her <laughs> dissertation is on faith-based re-entry programs for female ex-offenders in addition to human services board certified professional and licensed in cosmetology. Oh, a girl, I didn't know that. <laughs> a, a, a certificate in basic Bible knowledge and a New Jersey commissionary notary, notary public. Commission Notary Public, sorry. She is scheduled to take her licenses professional counsel exam in June of 2020. Are you still doing that? Oh, that's I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna be in June though. We have to reschedule it. Probably around the end of the year. But um yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So Dr. Candia's desire is to have a positive impact on women, combining her personal, professional, educational, and spiritual experiences and use them to inspire and encourage women in, ri in rise rising to their God-given potentials as she uses mentoring, counseling, 
instruction and teaching as therapeutic tools for guidance while on their journeys towards self-empowerment as they break the strongholds of destruction and despair and believe in their abilities to achieve personal goals while discovering their purpose. I'm so excited. I like this just made me even more excited. So welcome, Dr. Jackie, again. Oh, thank you. Super, super honor. honor to have you here and um, to even it's shed light. Honor on. to be here. I'm excited. So yes, yeah, so we're gonna jump right in. And I was like, Leah gets this this serious look on her face every time you say this is gonna be serious. This is we're jumping in, and this serious look comes right. on her face like you know. Oh. I feel like I'm going to cry this whole episode. <laughs> I, don't know I just feel it. Um, I almost cried when you were like just describing how you felt about us. I don't know what's going on with me, so I'm just trying to hold it all in. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to say it's okay. Later. Tears are healing. Tears yes. are healing. So you can cry as much as you want. You know, I cry all the time. Just not tonight. It took me a whole hour and a half to get this makeup on. <laughs> so I will like, not tonight. <laughs> oh my but it's God. an honor to be here. As I said before, uh, I have had the opportunity to interact with each and every one of you ladies individually and have been extremely uh, encouraged by your strength, by who you are, you know, just your individuality um, at different points. And again, the only thing that kept going through my mind is each and every one of you are unapologetically you. And I love it. I just love it. I love it. Trust me. If I can well, get as loose as you do. <laughs> <laughs> we love you too absolutely love you too. so yeah we're gonna jump into this um okay so we decided to do mental health amongst minorities um because a fan had asked about that and we had talked about it briefly and we were like you know this will be a really good topic to cover but let's do it in season two <laughs> well it was for season two and I know that it's Mental Health Awareness Month, if I'm not yes. mistaken. So it's like kind of the perfect time. And then on top of mm -hmm. that, now that we're in quarantine world, um, mental health has been really on the forefront um, for a lot of people now um, and not just minorities. But I feel like um, for minorities, I feel like it's just recently started, like within I would say the last like, few years to be something that was spoken about like outwardly um because i feel like there was always that stigma that therapy or any of that stuff was always like considered quote unquote a white thing to do so um can you expound on that do you do you do you see that shift now that's exactly right um mental um therapy or mental health help or therapy has always been seen as a white thing and it is because it's a stigma amongst African Americans um, you know um, with um, us African Americans or people of minorities we were always taught whatever goes on in this house stays in this house yeah. yes yes okay is I, that right yep absolutely. And, right so whatever said in this house stays in this house yep okay so any 
Yep. So anytime that whatever is going on in your house, or what's going on in your mind or your physical house or your mental house, when it goes out, all of a sudden you start to feel like you're being judged, especially amongst the minorities. We're always feeling like we're judged anyway. You know, we're judged about one thing or another. You have to be the hardest. You have to work more. You have to push harder in anything that you that appears to be a handicap to society. We've always had to work harder. So now here it is, you know, we're going to be judged because, you know, we're saying that we need some help in our mind. Well, how dare you? How, you know, we have our um, ancestors, you know, those before us to say, how dare you feel like you can't handle this or, you know, right. don't take this outside. So it definitely is a, it's a stigma. <clears throat> um, not wanting to be one of those people. Right. I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Right. And I feel like also that, like, um, I know me being of like Caribbean descent, it's like really like <laughs> hammered in our heads. Like you don't know how to handle that girl. Like, <laughs> like and, you're, and you're forced to like keep it in and like figure it out internally instead of like being able to go even sometimes amongst your friends to even say like, I'm not okay. Um, let alone go seek out a therapist at that. Um, I know that's been my, that's been my uh, I guess you could say my experience with it. Being, uh, I guess you could say people being content because they don't talk about nothing. <laughs> it's, it's 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 yeah it is and it's it's definitely with minorities um, therapy is a it's, it's almost taboo. Mm. How mm -hmm. dare you go out and see this white man? Because originally, you know, people of culture, they felt that therapy was created by the white man for the white man, mm. you know? And if you think of it, all of your therapists that you talk about, you know, the Freuds and um, the Thompson, all they were all white. You know, right. they all, a lot of them did their, their study on animals and children, all white. Um, it took a long time for the, the school system to realize that that the, what is it, the test that they were giving the children mm -hmm. was, it was definitely, it, you know, it was biased. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. some kids, some of the questions, African-Americans never even knew these kids could not pass these exams because like this doesn't happen in my neighborhood. You know, I, I don't put my cup on a saucer. I put my cup on a table. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to fail that. And they failed that question. And for the longest, those exams said, do you put your cup on the saucer, the table or plate? And the African-American kids would say the table. Right. So okay. it was like, so, was it almost like kind of like etiquette kind of things, uh, like things that they knew that I guess you could say black people didn't do? I don't know if they, if it was set up, if it's set up just like therapy. I really don't believe that it's set up for African-Americans to fail, just like therapists, I don't, therapy, I didn't feel it's set up for most of us to, to not go to a therapist, but throughout the years, you know, we don't go outside of You know, we don't, your house, if I haven't been in your house, I don't know how it's operating on the inside. Mm -hmm. So if all of my friends and everyone in my neighborhood mm -hmm. operate the same way and I'm going to create a, a, an exam or some type of test for the whole world from my very, from my little scope 
and that's a lot of how the exams were set up. A lot of how therapy was set up. A lot of how a lot of people feel about um, therapy. It's like this is this is not us, as you said, from a Caribbean family. I, you know, at you know, I'm much older than all of you, right? <laughs> and. I, you know, I was raised by my grandmother, and there were things that um, I would question in my household, and it was like, um, no, for, for example, uh, we, we um, right after I had my son, I had my son at 17, so right after I had my son, I went through a little postpartum depression. I didn't know that's what it was at that time, mm-hmm. but I went through it. I didn't know, so... Um, well, I was crying. I couldn't handle him. I didn't know what was going on. And my grandmother would say, what's wrong with you? I have five. You only have the one. <laughs> you can't. And you know what? Very true. So you know what we had to do? We had to shake it off. Mm-hmm. But throughout the years, that's, that's still some of the, some things you still wouldn't be able to handle. Not everyone can shake it off. And mm-hmm. then that depression turned into something else. So mm-hmm. it's definitely taboo in the African-American um, uh, in a minority families. I wouldn't say African-American, I would say minorities because therapists and counselors are cross-trained and from other cultures I'm finding out, they're still not open to therapy. Wow. And a lot of the Asian cultures, no, no. So they're still struggling and also working in the system. There, there was a lot of um, um violence and self-destructive behaviors in a lot of cultures because they could not speak out or couldn't go take that information outside of the home, you know, as we were taught. And also just the not having much knowledge about mental health. No, depression is mental health. <laughs> it's, it's a mental issue. Right. Um, anxiety. You know, so, you know, they say they have the good anxiety and the bad anxiety. Well, what about when the good anxiety turns to the bad anxiety and it keeps going? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I would say very little knowledge about mental health amongst the minorities is one of the reasons why no one really reached out to therapists. And um, you didn't see many therapists. You know how they say kids are saying now, you know, a teacher that looks like me, a doctor that looks like me, a president that looks like me. You didn't see any therapists that look like me. <laughs> no, that's, that's very true. Oh, it's very true. Yeah. How much do you think um, um, economic disparity also played into it as well? A huge amount. Economic disparity played a huge amount in how um, minorities went to therapy. Um, I. When I first started working in the mental health field, I worked in what they call the institutions, and now they call them developmental centers and the developmental hospitals and mental hospitals. Um, A lot of those who were sent away or put away, they were there because they could not afford the therapy. So they sent them and put them away into institutions, put their children in institutions, their um, young adults into institutions. They were institutionalized. Um, because they didn't understand it. economically, um, can afford, you know, um, people, minorities cannot afford therapy. So that was the last thing on your mind, you know, take an aspirin and go lay down and, and you'll be all right. You know, or just take a few days off of school and we'll be okay. Um, 
it played a, a huge difference in who reached out, who received therapy and who didn't. Now, it's, I mean, the way we're going into integrated health, um, New Jersey is starting it, going into integrated, is starting to transition into integrated health. A lot of other states have already translated into integrated health. So when you go to your doctor now, one of the questions are, have you been depressed? Mm -hmm. Are you feeling okay? You know, they start asking more of the mental questions and that doctor would automatically transition you over to a therapist. Correct, Miriam? She's, she's correct. correct. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's our other resident, like social mental health, like therapist as well. So yes. um, it, it, it's, a, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting to hear that perspective, especially with the um, economic disparity, because I feel like there's still an economic disparity, um, even now with mental health amongst uh, minority groups are becoming um, very popular, because I feel like even though we're in a different time and everyone is seemingly doing better, um, I guess you can say there's been a morale against minorities. So, you know, we need to get up there. We need to get like in school. We need to graduate. We need to get these good jobs. We need to, we need, we need to push ourselves. I feel like um, there's still that, that kind of stigma that um, it's, it's okay. But at the same time, it's like, well, why do I have to pay that much to go to a therapist? You know what I mean? Like, or why do I have to pay that much to go and sit down and talk to somebody and talk about my problems when I can do it at home or whatever the case may be. But I feel like people don't realize like, you know, it's so much more to that. But at the same time, they put like that dollar sign as a reason why they don't get it. Um, yeah. Well, that? that's see, most people will put that dollar sign um, that, well, you know, I'm not going to go. I can't really afford that. I can't really afford that time. Well, that's anything, you know, people are going to, <clears throat> put their money into what they feel is most valuable. Mm, okay. And a lot of people do not feel that it's valuable to go and sit and talk with a therapist. Um, I think that was one of your questions that you sent me, you know, that, you know, the real purpose of therapists and your therapists and, and um, you know, how, what was it? How did mental health for minorities become popular? That's yeah. one of the questions you sent me. And minorities feel the freedom now, but, um, one, like Joy said, economically, yes, that is one of the biggest reasons. Um, but now your, your health insurance, and a lot of people don't know that your health insurance covers a certain amount of therapy sessions a year. A lot of people didn't know that. They didn't do that before. But because we're, we're going into integrated health, you can always look on your insurance card and they can, they will say, okay, just like. Uh, what is it? Chiropractor. My insurance, my insurance allowed me to see a chiropractor six times a year. Some of your insurances will allow you to see a therapist six to 10 times a year. You know, and now it's covered. But again, you like, we, and as far as what you were saying, Jessica, is how it's popular. Uh, I don't know if it's really popular. I still think it's also that stigma that you have you know, you're going to a therapist, but you still are trying to respect your family members. You know, they're not saying, they're saying, don't, you don't need this, so you don't need that. But, you know, think about it. Um, a therapist will give you an unbiased statement or opinion about anything you're going through. When you're talking to your friend 
it can easily turn soon as you click hit hit a right button that is you know what yeah yeah well you know i was going through it you know what me too and all of a sudden <laughs> you are the one that's the therapist right where is it's like and then um, it's like wait a minute that's not what i called you for i called you because i really needed to talk to you about this yeah okay and they will listen you know and they will hold your hand and they will cry with you and they'll put a towel on their shoulder and they'll let you wet it up as well but at the same time they're going to give you an opinion mm-hmm. and as a friend in order to keep their friend sometimes they have to be very careful about how they give you that opinion you know as a therapist you know we want you to heal mentally i'm going to tell you the truth now, I don't know about what's going on here and what's going on there. And, you know, it's, yes, I am your friend, but I'm beyond a friend. Right. You know, as far as, you know, no, we're not going to hang out. We're not going to have fun or whatever. But, you know, tell me what's going on. As This is what a therapist does. You know, right. a therapist is going to take you beyond what your friend is going to say to you. Right. So that you can heal in that area of pain. That's good. Um, so one, another question, um, that I had, I know for, um, for me, I feel like, um, because I listen to the breakfast club every, like most mornings, um, I feel like Charlemagne the God, like always talks about mental health. Like he, he's like a very huge advocate for it. So that's why I was like, I I wonder if it, if it, if what he's saying is actually starting to translate, um, off when he's off air like to people and like if it's becoming like a thing now for people um have you seen an influx of minorities seeking therapy i it's it's been for the past few years um and i truly believe it has to do with the level of education and to be honest um what, one thing about me is I'm a late bloomer. So as you said, I, as you see, I didn't go to college until I was 32. So I've had all of these frontline experiences about learning and wanting to know the therapy and, and getting it from secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand people. And I found that when I began to evolve, when I began to develop, I found that society is evolving more, especially in minorities. We're evolving more and being more open to anything. I mean, cross-culture dating, you know. Mm -hmm. I I still have family members that will say to me, well, dating a person outside of your your ethnic background, that's just the forbidden fruit. And I was sitting there going, what? (laughs) You know, Um, and they really, really mean it. Right. They're serious about what they're saying, you know. So... Um, I truly believe, especially when it comes to um, youth, you know, as the younger generation is so willing to outreach more so than the older generation, as I said, what stays, what says in this house, stay in this house. The younger generation is not like that anymore. They're like, I will kick that door down to find out what's on the other side. Well, I might get my face punched, but I'm going to kick that door down. And I want to know what's on the other side. And what's happening is that the generations be, you know, more. And that's why it's, you know, beyond and forward. They're more educated on it's okay to talk. It's okay to talk, go to therapy. It's okay to talk. And sometimes they talk a little bit, a lot. 
you know, they're like, wow, they let it all out. You think, really, really, this is, and you can see the generation above them, especially if you're in a family or a group uh, uh, session, especially in a family session, and the younger people are going and going and going, and you can see the parents getting angry. It's like, mm, no, we already talked, we weren't supposed to talk about this when we got <laughs> So it That's seems to me that the younger generation are becoming freer and freer and freer and more open to, you know what, I really want to be a whole person. You wow. know, I don't want to be um, locked in a box of I can't go, can't do. Um, so I do believe that, uh, you know, answering the question that therapy and counseling is transitioning, you know, a, a little faster than it did when when I was coming along or when I was in school. I mean, seemed like I, w I never received any counseling until I went to uh, graduate school and, and I went to Liberty Liberty University. And the bless the blessing about li <laughs> blessing about Liberty as a counselor, you were required to be counseled. So wow. every semester, if you were training to be a counselor, you had to have counseling. I didn't even have counseling until I went to graduate school. And I realized even how much more important it is to actually, you know, have counseling. So it is transitioning into our culture, into the minority culture, um, just into the, I truly believe it's just the generation. It's the generations are now, as, as you said, Jessica, I don't have to push to be the best anymore because the more you push me, the higher my anxiety gets. And now I'm really developing a mental illness that I can't talk about because I'm trying to be the best, you know? Right. So it, it just, it's such a, it's a snowball effect of you're, you're, you're trying to climb high, but at the same time, you're snowballing mentally because you're trying to climb high and you're being pushed to climb high. But yet, so you're, 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 you're mentally, the only thing is, is to succeed, 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 succeed. And at the same time, you have all this pain going on inside that you can't understand that or you want to get out and no one's really allowing. So, yeah, as you said, I really do that. Um, uh, therapy and counseling among the minorities are transitioning. And going back to what Joy said is because it's more affordable. Basically, it's almost free to people now. Right. You That's know? awesome. So it's like, hey, my insurance covers it. My Medicaid covers it. <laughs> like, I'm, I, yeah, I want therapy. If, if this says I can have it, I want it. Right. You know? So thank God for the mental, the medical field to say, look, we can't do it all. No. You right. cannot go to a foot doctor and ask him and say, my eye, <laughs> something's <laughs> going on with my eye. And he's going to look at you like, can't help. And by the way, Miriam, you can jump in whenever you, you need to, to like yes. talk about this because you're, you're in the field just as much. So no, I agree with Dr. Jackie. Um, actually, I'm a uh, I'm an Egyptian and I speak Arabic. So, and I'm the only Egyptian therapist within the whole, pretty much all central Jersey. Come so, on, Miriam. Hey. Yes, Miriam. Yeah. So anytime there's a, a child or a youth or a family that needs therapy, they call me. And I was shocked. I was shocked when I first started. I'm, I'm young, so I haven't been doing this for a long time, but I was shocked when I started how many families actually were willing to do therapy. So I agree with you on everything. And, you know, I asked myself, like, so 
So why are they doing it? Because I know it's taboo and for Egyptians too, very taboo. Just like you said, everything that happens in the home stays in the home, you know? And I know like with a lot of my families, you know, like if I'm working with a whole family, they'll tell each other like, don't tell that person, don't do that. And mm. I have to work with them on like, you know, it's okay, you know, you can find things, you know, it's always good to learn boundaries, that's good for everybody, but at the same time, there are things that are okay to express, okay, to talk to people. If your kid wants to talk to their friend, they should have some freedom to be able to do that, and they'll take it from me because they know I lived that same life. I know that culture, I'm not speaking out of like uh, they like to say Americans. I'm not speaking like a quote unquote American. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, and and there, you know, there's a big difference, and to understand that in cultural competency, it's very important too. Right, so. and if you guys also have questions too, feel free to like hop in. Mm -hmm. um, but my next question, actually, going along with uh, culture and like the disparities as well do you see like a disparity between men and women like that are willing to like either be in therapy um or you utilize it um or because i feel like with culture um i feel like i in my experience or what my to my knowledge of it i know like um for you Miriam, like in the egyptian um muslim culture women aren't allowed to talk about these things mm -hmm. like it's all like men um, I feel like it's the same way in like the Jewish culture as well. Um, so do you guys see that disparity between um, the sexes? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you do. You, um, the funny thing, right, in what I found in, in family therapy are the men full force. They're ready to go the women were more abusive more of shut, shut, very shut, they shut down. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to do the homework. They don't want to do the interacting. Um, but the men would seem like they would, I, and these are African-American men. And I was very surprised to see how full force they were with saving their marriage, saving their relationship, whatever it is I need to say, whatever it is I need to do, and, and children. Of course, the children are, you know, and you get you give a child give a child an audience that's going to tell you whatever it is that you need to know. And at that time, you are their captive audience, so they're going to tell it all. They're going to tell it all. Um, but I've been surprised to find that they have there have been much many much more men coming to therapy when it comes to family. Um, just just therapy in itself, senior individual therapy, it's women, but the men, it seems like there's been an increase in men attending wow. therapy. That's awesome to hear though. <laughs> I, um, like in, as far as like the African-American community goes, I, cause I know for um, that, and there's always that disparity between um, them and then black women. And it's like, we have to be a certain way assert like take on the world kind of thing allow the word will beat us up have to be a certain way at home when we're in the salon where we're doing something and then be another way like you know when we come home with our kids so mm -hmm. I, I know like you know having that kind of save the world mentality um it's not spoken about but at the same time they give off the depiction of the angry black woman <laughs> that is like super famous for that because 
of, I guess you could say, the, the things that she has to deal with. So I, it kind of surprises me, but at the same time, it kind of doesn't because um, in a family dynamic, I feel like I, I would I would assume that it would be more black men that would do it, but I don't know about the women because I feel like they have to, like, they carry the burden of, of the whole relationship on their back. So to me, it's like, you tired, so I'm not going to talk, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> African-American women, especially in, in this country, have had to carry the load of the family on their back for generations and generations and generations. And um, I think I can't really answer for all, but I do know from my experiences personally, um, the women is like, like you said, I'm tired of talking. I don't want to talk. You know, look. I would say to, to my son, you know, if say if the dishes were dirty, for example, and, and he would say, well, why didn't you ask me? It was like, if you see the need, then meet the need. Mm-hmm. Every, men don't think that way. You know, <laughs> we women do think that way. And what happens is that we turn into those octopuses because we see the need all around us. And mm-hmm. they're trying to meet every need that we possibly can we do that at home we do that in our community we do that at work and we definitely do it in church how many people and so many different ministries in church because there's a need Mm. you have the skills to meet it you run up in there and meet it and if you're going to meet the need everybody's going to be excited about it but nobody realizes that you're wearing yourself out right so you have to know um, boundaries. You have to know when to put brakes on things. You have to know that, yeah, there may be a need that you could possibly meet, but is it necessary for you to meet that need? Mm. Someone else can meet that need. And is it such a, is it such um, a, is it such a, a, a heavy burden that no one else can do it but you? Then you get to the point where nobody else can do it but me. Nobody can do it right but me. I'm the only one that can do it right. I'm, and you know what? <laughs> After a while, somebody was like, you do it. And then you're sitting at home crying because you drink. You drink. <laughs> and you're not right, right? They said, I'm like, get crazy right now. I'm sitting here like, oh, oh. Right. oh she didn't my pearl. She did my laptop recently. <laughs> <laughs> Phone just tapped. <laughs> no, but that, that's very true, though, because, like, you know, we don't realize, I guess you can say, the like, the the box that we put ourselves in sometimes mm-hmm. that we create ourselves, and it's, it, we, we're sitting here and we're creating this box, but then we get mad that we, and not realizing that, like, like yo, you're really creating that box yourself, not, not somebody else. It's because you have that mentality that you can do all, see all, and be all at the same time yeah totally get it yeah anybody want to add or expound or have any i questions? would say once you're in that box right because <laughs> <laughs> this is me right now monday through sunday um once you're in that box and everybody's expecting you to do it all but now you put yourself in a place where you can't speak up and say i'm ready to kill somebody because now it's like, well, how dare you be overwhelmed? You said, you showed, you've done X, Y, Z, you know, with, with 
Grace, little did they know you're screaming at your laptop all day long because now you're working from home, but you managed to get it done. So they're expecting you to perform at this crazy level. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it is driving you crazy and you are, you know, you're getting ready to have perhaps an anxiety attack. Exactly. But you can't speak up. Huh? Or a mental breakdown. Or a mental breakdown. You're just overwhelmed. You're tired. You're drained. You are giving from an empty freaking vessel. Come on, Noelle. I'm just... (laughs) You better preach this thing right here. Right, right. So I'm saying, how do you (laughs) give them back them smock? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you say... I can't, you know, I do need to give some to Joe, give some to Jill, and Derek can have some too, um, without looking like you're weak or you're unable Ooh, to fulfill the task. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like sometimes in, in the work world, right, when, when you are kind of, you want to wave the white flag, they're waiting for you to say that mm-hmm. you can't do it. They're waiting to say, I told you so, especially sometimes if you're black, if you're a female and, and, you know, you are vocal, you, you do speak up because, you know, you're educated and, and you can do so. Um, they want to see you fail. So they're waiting for that moment. And perhaps they're overwhelming you for that very purpose that they, you know, they feel like they want, they want to break you down. So um, How do you I said all that to that say. Or manage that. Is that what your question is? How do you? How do you um, say no? Just say no. <laughs> they know. You know, it, it, you know, that takes us back to the beginning of our, our I'm sorry. <laughs> Inside, he went and got some toast. Toast I threw in the trash. He went and got it. Oh, they make dog toast now? I know they make dog bacon, but... <laughs> He, he came in here and looked at me like, hey, look what I got. <laughs> he will have him a snack. <laughs> I just closed him in here with me. He's not going nowhere. <laughs> but you, that's just it. You say no. And this is what happened. You know, um, this is like the first question. As counseling a white thing, you know, why was it a white thing and not a black thing? It's because of the stigma. Because of judgment. You know, you you are afraid, most of us are, especially, like you said, educated black woman, know you can get the job done, you're afraid of judgment, and then you feel that you have to approve something to them. You don't have to. Mm. Like, are you getting paid any more or any less? Ooh, girl, that's a whole nother. Wow! <laughs> well, <Woo! laughs> You just got so, that bubble bubble real quick. Like, wait, okay. hold up. <laughs> so with that, okay, is that you You have, I'm not going to say, we because none of us have, none of us arrive. We only arrive when we, when we enter into, hen, into heaven, right? But you have made it to a point where, one, they've hired you for what you can do, not for what you have to prove. You've already proven mm-hmm. yourself by getting hired. Mm-hmm. No, so... When you're bombarded with all of this work and the purpose and the cause and the activity, and you're right, I mean, I've worked, been working for a long time and I work with some really shady people. Yeah, mm-hmm. you say it, shady. You know, and they're waiting for you to, to fail. It's like, okay, ask for help. Mm. You know, 
That's where your strength is. Your strength is not in is not in your ability. Your strength is in your humility. Mm. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's real good. Mm-hmm. Go write that down. Right, <laughs> right. You know? So when you humble yourself to all of these people who have bombarded you with all of this work that could eventually cause you to break down mentally and physically, mm-hmm. okay, somebody is going to be sitting in your chair when you're gone, mm. right? You do not have to prove that you're above and beyond. You've already been proven. You've all been, been approved of in heaven. So all you have to do is say, you know what? I understand and I can get this done. I know I can get it done. And I thank you. I appreciate the fact that you can, you believe in me this much. But what I would like and what I need is help. Mm. That's your strength. And also it'll strengthen your mind to let you see and all of most people see and understand just like that stigma. You know what? This is not mentally healthy. Mm-hmm. Overwhelming yourself is not mentally healthy. Trying to prove yourself to someone is not mentally healthy. What do you have on your plate? If you have so much on your plate that you can't recognize the color of the plate, you're never going to get anything done. Because as soon as you clean something off, you're going to find that there's more under it. And that's the same thing with mental health. When you're going through things and you've gone through something and you have been stressed, that's the Amber took a big laugh. Yeah, no, I feel all of this because this is me too. A hundred percent. I know some of it stems from um, a, the past, being hurt in the past and feeling like I failed. So I'm, I always push myself and I realized I was pushing myself too much that I was getting anxiety and I was tired and I couldn't, I wasn't focused. So you really have to be mentally, you know, you have to know how to stop and reset. And that's what I'm learning. That's something that I've been learning for a while. I've never gone to counseling or anything, but I know that that, that is something that I deal with a hundred percent. So I feel that Noel too, definitely. And, and you said something, Amber, that's important. You said knowing that you failed. Well, it was at, well, at, the, at the point I felt like it was a failure. I know now that it was a learning process, but at that point feeling like I failed and I did not succeed in what I was doing pushed me to work harder, which I've gotten out of. You know, 10 years later, I could see all of the growth that I've had, but I know that I was still somehow working in that, operating in that. And I realized that. So I'm like, okay, no, I got to cut it off. I, I'm not working to prove anything. I just, I'm, I've already made it. You know, I don't have to keep looking. When you said cleaning, looking for new things. So I think that is 100% me. I find something, I succeed, and then I find a new thing to fix. It's like a moving, like, boundary. <laughs> like, oh, I got here. Let, let's move this up a little bit more. I, I know how much I can handle. Yeah. And then it's like the same thing, like you said, where you're like, you know, you're piling your plate to the point where you don't even know the color of it. I know for me, I do that a lot. I, I'm just a busybody. Like, I can't sit down. And then when I do sit down, mm-hmm. it's like, I should be doing something. Yeah. I, 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 why do I have this much free time? Like, this, this 15 minutes is too much. Like, I could be doing something. So, <laughs> I'm the same way, and you can take 
that energy and use it as therapy. Um, like Amber is doing um, gardening, mm -hmm. and um, you take. I'm the same way. Trust me. Trust me. Right. I have paint since since we've been in in this quarantine. The whole downstairs have gotten painted. I've changed. Re redid some floorboards and I'm sitting going, okay, I can be doing something. Okay, I can be doing something. You know, and that's most goal-oriented people, and most of us are goal-oriented people. You're you you want to manage every second of the day. Mm. And what happens is is when you do that, you really become mentally drained. And when that time comes where you just can't take it anymore, it's almost like this total breakdown in you. And it's only because you're, you're going and going and going. You have to take that time. And that's also therapy. That's part of therapy. Um, some type, some forms of therapy teach you how to meditate. Stop and meditate. You know, forms of therapy teach you how to, if you're high up, and that therapist will go up there with you and come right back down to a, a level, a good baseline. If you're way down, then that therapist will go down with you and they'll bring you back up to a baseline. And that's called dialectic behavior therapy. No, so you can do it. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy to, to, to do and to get into. Nothing wrong with it. You know, like th this is therapy for a lot of us, right? But when it ends, where do we go <laughs> from there? <laughs> right? Where do, where do we go from there? Hanging out with your girlfriends is therapy. But where do we go from there? You know, I, I myself, even myself, when I am struggling with some things, I have someone that I go to that holds me accountable. Right? I, and, and she's not going to say to me, I would love it if she told me that everybody is wrong and I'm always right. <laughs> right. But she doesn't. You know, and also, and, and also she's a woman of God. So she'll even, sometimes she'll say, mm, I got to get back to you on that one. And when she does, I've already come up with the answer or she still said, what's the answer? And she said, you know what? At the time you came to me, you weren't going to be able to accept my answer. Mm -hmm. But with a therapist, you know, if you go to a friend and they're, they're going to give you an answer that you won't, don't want to hear. It could cause a problem in the friendship. But when you go to a therapist and they give you an answer, you're going to accept it whether you wanted to hear it or not. Because one, you're paying your money or your insurance is paying. And here, here it is. You know, again, back to what Joyce's question was economically, that, you know, it's available now for everyone. So now that therapy is available for everyone, take that time and listen. Right. And it's funny, you said like, you know, the different types of therapy is like how people, I guess you can say maintain, um, I guess you can say that sanity level <laughs> where like, you're okay for now or whatever the case may be. So like you were mentioning <clears throat> therapy, painting, uh, kind of not like being a busybody, busybody around the house, but like, you know, doing things that are going to keep your mind kind of in balance and at ease. So, um, uh, I wanted to say like that one of the points was like mental health is part of self-care. Um, so I feel like you saying that some, some therapists are teaching people how to meditate. Um, I know for me personally, I like to write, like if I am in like that high or low state, um, my therapist ta taught me like, you know, you're a really good writer. You've been writing all the time. Um, but I think you should write more and Journal. yeah, journaling almost. Um, 
so I know like, you know, those are like other different ways, I guess you can say of like self-care in, in the mental health realm. Um, is there any other ways, um, for some people or yeah. that you guys teach? Yeah. Well, well, the one thing, um, journaling is a big thing. I just had a, a young lady, um, that I was, um, I had in therapy. It was like, um, unofficial therapy, right? Because she was, I didn't charge her, but we, we met every week and um, she never journaled and she had just graduated college. And she said, I don't even know what that is. Mm. And now, as a matter of fact, I haven't even heard from her in about four months. And then I heard her, she said, I'm still journaling. I went five, six, seven, eight pages one night. <laughs> I said, great. Mm. The other biggest thing that a lot of adults are doing now and a lot of therapists are saying, Coloring. Yes. Hmm. Coloring yes. is a huge comeback in therapy. Mm -hmm. And my godmother, 75 years old, she went to um, a retreat and the therapist there handed out the, you know, the, the, the with, with all the different pieces of coloring and they gave them coloring pencils. And she said, I have a coloring book now. I went and got my own. And she is very therapeutic. So coloring is a is coming back um, mm -hmm. for therapy. Um, I would say music, but one of the reasons why I wouldn't say music really, unless you're listening to music that has absolutely no word. Like I like um, I, I like elevated music. I love uh, the classic classical music. I absolutely love it. In order for me to think clearly or get anything done, I blast it all through the house. Only because you start listening to music with words, especially your jam, come on, right? <laughs> Everything goes out the window and you start jamming. Um, we're all women of God, right? So, and you know that I love worship. So the one thing that I can say to you, listen to some worship music, let the worship music pray for you, um, prayer. Right, and I know that was also another one of your questions. That that was gonna have that as a segue into one of your questions. Oh Prayer. yeah, about therapists versus pastors. Okay, yeah, yes. definitely. Prayer, prayer for those of us who know and understand and, and like to pray. Pray, you know. Um, what do you do when you can't pray? Right, because your mind is going this way. It's like, Lord. I can just put my hand here, you know, worship music. Let the music pray for you. Mm. Honestly, me and, and you, you see me act out on platforms sometimes. Most of the time I had to put myself together, you know, but worship. Um, I think Noelle and I, one time there was worship and I sat next <laughs> to her. I think, I, I think her arm was sore. I was like, girl, come on, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I loved every minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, so me, worship, I'm going to tell you what else. Dance. I love to dance. Yes. Dancing helps me. I love soca. I love salsa. Hey. I love merengue. Hey. And don't listen. <laughs> don't get me someplace where I can move these hips. Yes. I will move you out the way with these hips, okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that open 
up. Dr. Jackie, come on. <laughs> and, you know, I funny. love to dance. I love to dance. And so if if I just really want to like really get some stress off, I would put me on some Caribbean music, some hot soca music, and I just be going and the hip be going and this be going. I'll be I go I take soca classes when I did. But um, in salsa classes, I love to dance. So between worship and dance, that's why I'll be all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny you said that because like it reminded me of that movie, um, Napoli Ever After with uh, Sanaa Lathan. And like later in like the movie where like she cut her hair, like she went natural and all that other good stuff. There's like this part of the movie where like she just puts on music and she just starts like, just moving like she's a dead person and then she just starts dancing out of nowhere because like you know I, I don't know if it was like her day was bad or something was going wrong that day but like I, it just reminded me of that and like how freeing she felt like in this space in the realm of like dancing in that moment um and then she was interrupted by like her ex but you know it was, it was a it, that that part like really stood out to me and then when you just said that I was like that reminds me of that part like that's insane that's, that's so cool <laughs> Um, Every yeah, outlet that's you awful. have, yeah, because some people are athletes. I'm not an athlete, you know. Whatever outlet you have, gardening, you know. Now, gardening also helps me. I have flower beds. I go pull up weeds and whatnot, and I'm that can whatever can get you to focus, mm -hmm. and then you can think clearly in whatever the situation was. Whatever outlet you can use play basketball, ride a bike, um, don't, you know, I really wouldn't recommend going, getting in the car behind a wheel if you're not, if you're stressing out. No, <laughs> really wouldn't. But if a ride, you know, I have um, a convertible, you know, so taking a ride to the beach is, is the best thing for me, you know, to clear my head. I put the top down and I'm fine. Um, but when I can't go any place, I put on my sofa music, you can't tell me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. That is awesome. Um, and I know uh, some people like try to like walk it out, run it out, um, exercise. Some people did like uh, karate or kickboxing. Um, so yeah, I, I love this list. Like I, I hope some people out here get 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 into some of these uh hobbies and activities to help yeah. get these, these levels it works. Right. It works. <laughs> yes. um, but um i did want to get into the whole um therapist versus pastor things but i think before that um i wanted to go into um saying i we we, we touched on it a little bit about um, talking to somebody is okay. Like talking to therapist, a therapist is okay. Like you don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to feel like you're going to be judged or like, you know, you know everything and that you don't need help um, or that you feel like you're handling it as best as you can. And that's all there is to it. Um, so I did want to um, definitely say that just to like sum up that part um, because therapy is good. Um, I know I've seen a therapist. I love my therapist. So, um, I definitely know, like, you know, I, I, I'm a big person to say, like, I think you should go talk to somebody or I think you should talk to somebody. Um, so anybody else ha has had that experience or anything like that? Um, I would say, because um, 
my background was really art. So, you know, at my hardest moment in life, I created a series of artwork that changed my life. So you never know what is going to um, inspire you to move forward and get all those feelings and emotions out that you have in your mind. Um, and I know like it's, it's crazy how it's not as popular as it could be because I'm also a teacher. So I work with early education and I can see, I work with children who have different mental issues or have dealt with behaviors and dealt with trauma. So you can see how much it affects them just learning. They can't even focus with learning before. You have to get through all of that stuff first. So it's just, it's crazy how people don't see how important it is. Right. It's, or taking the time to yeah. like do that self-care. Yeah, and do it. And just like, do it, you know, no yeah. matter what the price is. Well, I wouldn't say what the price is because that sometimes that does matter to people. But, you know, doing, you know, it's almost like to me, it's like an investment. Like if you're not going to invest in yourself, then what are you going to invest in? Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, go ahead, finish, Dr. Jack. I'm so sorry to cut you off. No, you, no, I'm sorry to cut you off. You're, she, she's absolutely right. Is that unfortunately, no one will, uh, people, not no one, but people still do not see the importance of going to a therapist. The fortunate part, again, is what a lot of people just did not know is that mental health is part of, you know, the integrated health now. And New Jersey is going more into the integrated health where mental health, everyone can afford it. Anybody can afford it. Mm. Everybody can afford it. You know, um, there are clinics that you can go into, even if you're homeless, homeless, homeless um, shelters are connected to mental health clinics that you can go into and receive mental health. So it's available. I, I think also that's where the disparity was for um, a lot of minorities. That wasn't available. And when it was, I mean, I, I myself, when, when um, I, had a, I had struggles in school when I was in grammar school, I, I just, I, I couldn't focus. I didn't focus, so I was slower than everyone else. I just couldn't focus. And um, I wish I could meet this man, see this man, but, the, um, my high school counselor, guidance counselor, told my mother um, that I will never be able to keep up in college. Mm. Mm. You know? So guess what though? Because he was the counselor, the therapist, and the white man, mm. my mother did not encourage me to go to college. She did encourage me to get um, a trade, which is why I'm a licensed beautician. <laughs> but I don't work in a shop because I always desired to go to my whole desire was to go to college you know so here it is I had the, the professional white man in front of me and my mother and my mother was you know she just had a high school diploma you know so this man told her how I sh li should live in the future and for many, 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 many years, I did just that. Mm -hmm. You know, I took, we took his word. I took her, that's my mother. My mother is saying what she said. So yeah, the disparity therapy is, is, is extremely important. You do need to talk to someone. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I was on the same track there, but yeah, I get you. That's, oh no, that's, that's, that's amazing. Because you know what, um, because of that, 
you know, it set not only you, but like a lot of people on that track where they felt like they couldn't get, um, it, get ahead. And I feel like that's kind of like, you're kind of describing like the, the white man, like a lot of us uh, minorities like to call it, like the white man that keeps keep kids keeping us down and all this other stuff. Um, and I feel like that, that's, not, that's like kind of similar to, uh, of what you're talking about. And then it took, um, the will of the people or the person to really get them out of that stronghold of that, di that dynamic of thinking like whatever he says goes. And that's, that's just the end of my life. Like that's what my future holds. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad you said that, that that's amazing. Um, so I, I do want to, um, one thing, about that is I think it's also important, like as somebody, especially if you're an educator or somebody in a school system, like sometimes the kids that may stand out because they're having a hard time or struggling more are the ones that need more love. So mm -hmm. being able to connect to them in a different level will change everything for them. So I think that's an important thing with your story about how you felt in school that educators and people in these areas really have to be sensitive to it. I know that's a big thing now, like emotional health and social emotional learning in schools. So mm -hmm. it's yeah. important. Absolutely. And I think that's like, it, I know like for some people, I, and it's funny you brought that up because like, I know for my, in my school district, like they push that on parent teacher night. They're like, all right, guys, we're going to show you how we come down from, yes. from lunch and how we come down from gym or from recess and like the little ball thing that goes in and out and like, you know, and I, I appreciate it because it's like, now my kid is kind of socialized to like knowing that this is okay. And not only that it's okay, but how to get herself down. Like she knows what she needs to do to like come down from when she's outside, like yeah. even at home um, or when it's too much going on in the house and she needs to find like that centered place. Like I'm, I'm happy that they do that. And you're right, Amber. I was like, when they started doing that and show, showing the parents, I was just like, this is amazing. Like, but then other parents are like, we don't need this kumbaya session going on. Like, I need my kids to learn. You know what I mean? So I, I, I just find it very interesting um, how a, that that came in. That's a major part of my day. We're doing self regulation. We're doing <laughs> art therapy because you know I have to add my art into my education <laughs> stuff. We're doing planting. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing everything. <laughs> and helps. Amber about to have her a whole bunch of farmers. Why? I know. I, I needed a teacher like you. <laughs> yep, I sent all my class sunflower seeds in the mail so they can plant for Mother's Day. Oh, oh that's so cute. <laughs> that's awesome. Go ahead. Sorry. All right. So I wanted to um switch gears and then why I wanted to hit the point of um for those of us who are believers um or getting ready to go on to that spiritual journey or anything like that the whole this dynamic between therapists and pastors because I feel like this is an interesting um intermingling now because now I feel like there are certain churches now that are incorporating mental health and therapists into their um into their churches um in their church systems and i and i feel like there isn't i don't want to say that there is a difference but people are starting to like 
see that as like one, like, oh yeah, my therapist is my pastor. So therefore I don't need to go to like, I guess you could say a therapist outside of the church. So do you see that? Or can you expound upon that? Because I feel like that idea is becoming um, more, I guess you could say put out on the forefront now. And I feel like people don't understand the difference um, because they, they automatically assume like my mental health is my spiritual health and that's all the same. So yeah. can you, can you guys like tackle that for us? Yeah. Um, I was excited about that question. It's so confusing because like, I, I, I literally like watch like, you know, like just di different, different media outlets and like social media. And it's like, no, this isn't really the same. Like, I don't know the where the intermingling came into into play. Um, Believe it or not, it's actually going backwards. Okay. It, this intermingling, <laughs> Mary's going, yep. This intermingling <laughs> is not new. This is what I grew up with, right? For one, therapists, counselors, pastors, right? They complement each other if used mm. the correct way. Right. Mm -hmm. You do have some pastors who are licensed therapists. Okay. Right. And at the same time, those pastors really need to know, they have to know what lane they're operating in when they're operating and they have to stay in certain lanes at certain times, period. You know, um, therapists and pastors complement each other. One, for those of us that believers and those, any of us that know, we are triune beings mind, spirit, and body, correct? Right. right. We have MDs, physical doctors, specialists, they all take care of the body, right? Our pastors focus on the spiritual us. Your therapists are focusing on the psychological you, mm. right? Um, when you feed one more than the other, that's anything. When you isolate one part of your body and you work on it, so you got your arms that you can't lift up because you're sore, but you can walk around because you didn't work out your legs last week, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's the same thing. It's really the same thing. What you're seeing is really, they're reverting, you know, because I grew up, when I grew up, mind you, you know, in the African-American culture, Right. Again, from the beginning of the conversation, what goes on in his house stays in his house. You know, so when you had someone in a family that was an alcoholic or somebody that had a child at a wedlock or got pregnant at a teenage year or, you know, was crying because, you know, your boyfriend took your virginity and now he's left you and all that. Nobody went to a counselor. They took you to your pastor. The reason why they took you to your pastor is because your pastor has an oath to keep whatever is said into this office stays in this office. The pastors do have a limit. They're limited in the medical, the mental health field, mm -hmm. unless they are a professional medical mental health person. That's all of us. If you tell me, if you ask me, you know, as me, as a, I'm a Christian who is a therapist, who's a counselor. There are certain things, and I went to Bible school, there are certain things that I can direct you to and we could talk about spiritually and go into the Bible and we can thumb through it and we can get it done. But 
I am not as skilled as a pastor when it comes to that word and how to direct you into it, how to guide you into it, how to show you which way to go. It's the same thing with most pastors. Now, what's happening is because people have always gone to their pastors for everything, some pastors really are not understanding, you know what, this is something that I don't need to be crossing, right? Mm -hmm. Because let's be really honest, okay? Someone who is a mental health professional can easily recognize when somebody is experiencing self in self, some type of self-stimuli of their, uh, uh, they're going through like a, 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 a psychotic moment or, um, it may be a, they may have schizophrenia. Let's, let's just to put it out there. They may have schizophrenia. You can't not tell a person who has schizophrenia and is really struggling with some things to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Mm. That's good. Okay. And it's not that it's wrong. Well, we, we do understand the voice of the Holy Spirit. But someone with schizophrenia, you can't tell them that because they can't decipher it, what's really happening in their head. Right? Some pastors can't understand that something is really going on in this person's head when you're talking to them. You know, They can see that something's going on, but they're gonna address it according to their training. Um, so when you have, and there are some churches that do have hired counselors and psychologists on staff or that are connected to their churches. When you have the pastor that has this type of sensitivity, they can easily direct you, okay, you know what? This is where who I need you to go. The pastor will understand this is about to go outside of my purview. You know, this conversation is about to go someplace where I may not be able to go again gotta take it back to the beginning of this conversation i don't want to be judged i don't want to be seen as a failure especially because i'm a pastor and i gotta lead this sheep and i gotta lead this flock you know but the pastors some pastors must recognize that and some do recognize that okay this is outside of my purview and i really need you to talk to a licensed professional now, a good pastor will come out and say that to them. You know what? Mm -hmm. From what you're explaining to me and from our talks, I'm not going to say this to this person, but this is a person who I need to transition you to. Right. Therapist, right? Basically know that. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. They're not going to try to give you, like, they're not going to give you a Bible and say, here, this is what I need you to study these verses here and get back to me tomorrow. They know this. That's, right? that's very true, though. That's real. <laughs> okay. They know this. They know, you know, they're lame. All right. Now, when I was working in, if you know, in my bio, you heard forensics. So basically what I was, I was for 12 years, I was a counselor and teacher in Ancline Forensic Center. Ancline Forensic Center is the only state hospital and only hospital in the state of New Jersey, and it's a um, that houses mentally ill criminals. So most of them mentally ill, and they have criminal backgrounds: murders, rapists, serial killers. You know, so I was worked there for twelve years, 
I can tell you that when I would run some of my classes, some of my programs, I had one of my, 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 one of the patients, he was going off like mad. He was throwing up tables and, you know, I'm standing in the corner and the officer standing beside me, always had officer. He was going off. He's stripping off his clothes. He's screaming. He's cursing everybody out. He ran over to me and he put his hand on the table and I just stood there. He said, I can't touch you because you're a woman of God. Then he went and he started flipping over tables. <laughs> I know. <laughs> deep knows deep. Mm -hmm. They know you. You know, most of the inmates that I dealt with that were locked up, they can quote the word better than I could. I walked in the room, I ran my group. Some of them would tell me, Miss Jackie, I know you're a believer. I said, I, no, I know you're a believer. I know you are. Can you pray for such and such? Then I would have to call a chaplain in because why? Because I knew my lane. Mm. I couldn't get, they would say, Miss Jackie, can you get me a Bible? No, I can't, but I can tell the chaplain. And so the chaplain of the prison would go and say, okay, who was, and get them a Bible. And I could have easily walked right on into the, the storage closet and got them one. But that wasn't my lane. Mm. Therapists know their lane, you know. Um, but it's really good when you have a therapist who's a believer because the spirit and the love of Christ comes through when they're giving you therapy. They're still following, you know, the guidelines of the mental health and, you know, um, of of issues and also um, the ethical codes. When again, like I said, when it's to liberty and what I loved about liberty is not only did I have to know the American counseling codes, but also there's also a Christian counseling code that I, a lot of people don't know that exists. Wow. You know, so I was like, it was it's wonderful when you have a counselor who is a believer because they will start to recognize that it's, I think sometimes that counselor also can recognize the difference real quicker faster it's like okay you you just you just need to pray you know this is what you need to do you just need to pray and you'll be all right with this one you know um this is what a pastor is going to tell you right but a pastor may not be able to not saying that they can't but they may not be able to recognize that you need a little bit more and some pastors are really good at recognizing and then shifting you and transitioning you some pastors that I have seen is like they forget that they're still a man and a woman, right? And right. you, they still have limitations. And um, those are the ones that you some that I've seen fall. I've seen pastors fall because they 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 and they put like this: we're riding down a four lane highway. We're all going the same way, all right. There's going to be times when I'm going to have to yield to you so that you can get in my lane or go past my lane. Mm. But there's times when pastors and therapists are actually traveling in the same lane together. But at one point or another, you know, there is a separation. And um, a lot of pastors are learning now to understand that and to, to in, incorporate mental health therapists into um their teachings that uh, they'll 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 throw something out there or they'll ask they'll do a little bit more um research and study more educating i do know um that 
the state of New Jersey, they, we do have a, a clerical of uh, the correctionals. They do have a clerical office. And this office, often they transition the inmates from, when they're in, transitioning inmates from prison, they will have the faith-based um, <coughs> Uh, pastors that come in if they have programs to talk to them and see if they can help them with the programs. Now, these pastors are actually trained by therapists, by correction officers um, to, to be able to recognize just the basics, just the basics, you know, and a lot of pastors want to know. A lot of pastors want that training and, um, and it's free to them and you know, all they have to do is you know, just bring the ego down a little bit. <laughs> you know, bring it down a little bit and say, you know what? This is this is not my purview. Um, I'm going to transition you. You're still the pastor. You know, you're working on that spirit and keeping that spirit strong and connected to God. You know, the therapist in the in the, in the we're working on that mind and keeping that mind strong. All you need is a personal trainer in the church. Now you have everybody doing you have that triune being. <laughs> I was going to say, you see you, a one-stop shop. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, Mary, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I completely agree with you, Dr. Jack. There's definitely, everybody's just got to uh, stay in their lane. Definitely pastors are amazing counselors. My pastors are amazing counselors and have helped me greatly. But there are there is a limit, um, like with serious mental health illnesses, that they should be referred to uh, a therapist, definitely. And also too, like people are still learning how to open up and how to uh, trust someone else with their emotions and with the things going on in their lives. And although a pastor is a wonderful place to start, definitely getting some counseling, but if you're dealing with like years of trauma and worried about judgment and um, all these different things, maybe going to a therapist is a, a good help because um, ethically you cannot see a therapist outside of uh, your sessions. And if you do, at least for, for LSWs and LCSW, you have to pretend like you don't know them just for their own, you know, uh, ethic, ethical safety in your own. And that's something that really helps people to know that they're safe. People need to be able to know that they're safe. Not to say that a pastor is not safe. I'm not saying that at all. But just sometimes it's it, depending on what your um, what you want to work on. It would be good for um, everybody to just know, like, okay, maybe this is good, or maybe this is good. You know, like what what it is, because that that could um, it could stunt someone's growth if they're not getting the right help or if they don't feel safe and if they're, if they're scared that they're going to be judged by those who they have to see so much because we do see our pastors and and our, um, our like everybody at church more than just Sunday you know ministry and all that so we have to know who we're trusting and we trust our pastors but they want we want them to feel comfortable too and to be able to help us and if that's something they can't do then it's up to them one to guide us in the right direction and maybe say this is it and also to like just to say you know i i can't handle um what it is you're going through and i want you to get the best care mm, that's good i'm glad you said that because i was going to say it doesn't um take away from them being your pastor mm -hmm. um and i'm glad for the difference the differentiation between you know um, mind body and soul and who is really 
qualified, I guess you can say, to handle which. And I, I, I'm loving that because I know it gave me clarity as to what the difference is between, um, because like I said, it can be very easily jumbled. Um, and w in thinking that, like I said, that your pastor is a one-stop shop, you get everything from your pastor. Um, but that's not really the case. And, you know, I love the fact that you said that it's um, pastors have to understand that their limitations um, and then referring those people in the same thing where, you know, where therapists have to, it's almost like a scratching each other's back kind of thing um, where everybody knows their lane, understands it and knows how to get that person the best possible care possible. Um, so that, that's amazing in itself for you guys. Do any of you girls have questions or comments towards um, what was just discussed? When I saw that question, it reminded me of, have you seen um, Taraji P. Henson? Um, she has this new thing about, for, she's speaking about um, the stigma in African-Americans and mental health. Oh, yeah, I, heard mm -hmm. and uh -huh. I remember, I, this always pops up on my Facebook, um, actually. <laughs> she's talking about, um, I have a quote here. She said, for generation, talking about African-Americans, we've been told it's a weakness and to pray our problems away. Mm. And saying that, you know, that's not going to help you. <laughs> you know, that's not going to help your, um, just help you deal with some of these things. You need to speak to somebody, you know. And before we had this discussion, like, I was trying to, like, piece that together in my mind, you know, coming from the um, Christian aspect of it. Of course, you're going to pray, you know, but if you have other issues also, there's another component that you're going to have to deal with as well that, you know, you might need more. I don't know. Right. And I, and I want to say, I want to add on to what you were saying about, you know, sending them to their pastors to get, it's the same thing, like where you were saying something about schizophrenia and that a pastor wouldn't understand that, that it was interpreted before that, that like you were possessed by a demon yeah. and that you needed a whole reckoning, mm -hmm. a whole exorcism. Um, and people are praying something out of you that has nothing to do with the spiritual aspect. So now you have these people praying over you, acting like you are, have a whole demon inside of you, almost ostracizing you um, and judging you based on your mental health illness. Um, and that's, uh, and when you said that, it was perfect because it was like, you know, I, I'm glad, like I said, the differentiation of the lanes, because like I said, pastors were being used as one-stop shops and it had no bearing as to what was going on. Like if you had, I'll use like a sexual addiction, you have a demon. Like you need to get that prayed. Like you need to get baptized. You need to get delivered. We need to call the elders in. They need to lay hands instead of it being that something traumatic happened in your past um, that may have made you that way or have you thinking that way. Um, so that that's where it came from is because th there's that many stigmas um, that were actually mental health illnesses, traumatic illnesses um, that has changed people from the past that has showed up and that, you know, now that you're the spiritual being, people are, are saying, oh no, you're, there's a whole demon. The mm -hmm. devil is inside of you, child, you going to hell, like all of that. And, you know, and they would send people to their pastors to, to do these things. And unfortunately yeah. it wasn't doing anything for these people. But also in defense of, the, of them, from the past of what you're saying is so true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, minority people trust others. Hold on. I don't know what that was. Oh. Okay. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't know what just happened. Yeah, it was weird. Oh, well, minorities didn't trust doctors long ago. The only person that minorities could trust were the pastors. And the, the pastors had limited education. Some, I mean, there were some pastors that didn't even know how to read, you know, when they were pastoring. But the only thing, if you go way back in American history during slavery, the only thing that blacks were able to do free was to go to church. Mm. And you still was limited on how you went to church, you know, um, but that's who all they had. They had the pastors were the one stop shop. And as you were saying, you see that they're meshing all that together again. They're really reverting again. They're reverting back um, to what they were. So you, you had these um, you had people of color. You have minorities. They will only go to their pastors for advice. Even now, just recently, I saw a beautiful young mixed couple on YouTube and um, they had some decisions that they needed to make. They went to a shaman, you know, a wise woman, a wise man, you know, almost, you know, so they still didn't go to therapy. They didn't go to couple therapy. They didn't go to family therapy. They went to the spirit man. Mm. No, so people are still doing this. They're still doing, you know, this is like we're going to the, the spiritual person because they have an insight on the spirit world in which they do. You know, they have an insight on the spirit world and they can tap into the spirit world and tell me how to fix this. Right. So, and so that was one of the reasons why the pastors were the um, one stop shop. And also, again, we didn't have many um, therapists that looked like me, you know, to go to. There was nobody out there that looked like me. Well, you know, I need to go, my, to my, my high, high school counselor, he didn't look like me. Right. He told me what to do. He told my mother what to do. We trusted him because he had more education and he was in a position to do that. So same thing with the pastors, the, you know, people go to pastors for everything. And um, I truly believe it. Just like you said, Mary, we have all, we have awesome pastors. There are a lot of awesome pastors out there mm -hmm. who, um, who are absolutely fabulous counselors. The mother church that they came from, I actually went to a, a um, prayer fest um, up in uh, Rockaway, and they had the licensed counselor do a group session with the whole congregation. That's amazing. And that was the very, I mean, you know, the pastor, he taught, we worship, we sang, and then they had the licensed counselor. He said, you know, people got to get things out. And he got on, on the platform and he did a group session, a therapy session. And the free, I mean, the freedom that you saw come out of people that was never expected at a prayer fest. But the fact that the pastor was wise enough to know that there's an area in these people that I am not able to reach. So mm -hmm. I have to bring in someone else. And he did. And the freedom, you can, you can see the breaking. You can see the, the, the freeing. And it was awesome. So there's, there's a lot of pastors that, that understand that, you know, they, they do have a lane. And actually, he just said it. He said, that's not my lane. <laughs> that takes a lot that takes a lot within itself mm -hmm. you know that takes a lot within itself that is amazing yeah. though that's awesome I, li I love hearing things like that because I'm like oh that sounds so good mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can you imagine
Well, that that I love that. Um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit um, in regards to, but it still kind of ties in um, in regards to, you know, your pastor being like the lifeline kind of thing. It's the same thing, kind of the theory goes for a therapist. Um, I feel like people kind of use their therapist like their lifeline. Um, and they're a lifeline, but not like, your life partner kind of line kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like um, you're always trying to strive to get better. And that's just us. That's just everybody as a people. You're always trying to strive to get better. But I feel like some people overuse their therapist. Um, and that's where that came. That's where that thought came from. Um, so can you guys expound upon that? Um, have you, have you had somebody that, because it kind of reminds me of like Freaky Friday um, <laughs> with um, Lindsay Lohan's mom. Well, what is her name? Why can't I remember her name? Amy Lee Curtis. Amy Lee Curtis. Yeah. And she had that guy that like called her like all hours of the day, all hours in the night, like on her honeymoon, she has to take her phone because he needs to be able to reach her. It, it like reminded me of that. And I'm like, oh Lord, these therapists, I feel so bad sometimes because like you get patients like that, you know? Actually, that is one form of therapy for um, someone who has borderline personality disorder. Okay. Um, for individuals who have borderline personality disorder, you have some therapists who are, I am trained in uh, DBT, dialectic behavior therapy. And, and dialectic therapy, uh, behavior therapy was developed for women uh, with borderline personality disorders. Um, borderline people with borderline personality disorder don't know boundaries. <laughs> they, don't know, gotcha. they don't know boundaries. And so that's where you probably feel say, you know, I think you're just overworking your therapist. Therapists do, I mean, first of all, when you first start out with the therapist, they tell you the boundaries. This is this is these are the boundaries. A good therapist will tell you from your very first session, this is how I'm available, this is when I'm available. This is the way I'm available. That's it. You know, you cross that line several times, and that therapist has the right, that therapist has the right to transition you over to another therapist. Mm. They have the right to do that. Um, there, I don't think that you can really just wear out a therapist because that's what we love to do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right, Mary? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We, we, we like to be there for you. We really mm -hmm. do. I mean, it's a passion. It's a passion to see you do better. And to see that you, when, when I'm with someone, and even when I teach, and I see that you can see that aha moment in someone. Mm -hmm. And when you see it, it's almost like you want to just like, did you see it? Did you see what I just saw? Did you see? And they're looking at you, but, but no, 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 did you see? And they don't see it, but it's like, it happened. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, I think the only people that really can really wear you out, and I think Miriam can agree with me if you've dealt with um, borderline personality disorders. Someone with a borderline personality disorder, they know no boundaries. Um, and um, you have to learn how to deal with them. Most therapists don't want to deal with someone with a borderline person. If, if, they, if you, 
if they find out someone says that you'll see this look come on the, the therapist's face like, oh, you know, and then that's when they become the therapist for each other, like, you need to talk. You want to talk? <laughs> you, know? like you, you tell them, I have a client who's borderline personality. And then the other person will say, oh, you want to talk? You, you, you need to speak to me. <laughs> um, so am I right, Miriam? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So we're there for each other. You know, and also we do have, um, there's code of ethics that we have when we speak to each other about our clients, but um, we always have other therapists that we can go to when we have clients that are extra challenging um, or clients that we feel that we just can't help. Then we, you know, we call in our colleagues and say, this is what's going on. And I've been with them for this amount of a long time, and I don't think I'm help. I'm helping, you know, help me help this person. So we do. We have lifelines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're one another's lifeline. Yeah. Um, but any mainly, um, I think it's um, the type of therapist you are. Um, we want you to reach out to us. You know, we want you to call us. We want you to pull on us. I mean, because. If you don't, then who will you? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's that's you know that's what we're there for. Again, if you if your eye is hurting, if your foot is broke, you're not going to the eye doctor. You know, you're going to go to the to the orthopedic doctor, and he wants you to come in here. You know, what does that? What do you look like going into the eye doctor limp and say my foot hurts? He's going okay, put it up. um but we we have um we have a circle of um colleagues that hold us accountable we do supervision you know um we have people that we reach out as supervisors especially when you're um when you have your license or when you're studying for your license you have to have someone that you can sit with once a week, twice a month, and saying, okay, these are the cases that I'm dealing with. And you go over your cases with that that person and you tell them what's easy and what's hard. And by the time you you get back to that challenging individual, you've released. (laughs) You've released. (laughs) That's amazing, that's awesome. There is a safe boundary between self-care for the therapist and uh, like making boundaries and the client still really wanting to work with you. Not because you set those boundaries means the client's going to be like, well, you're unreliable. You can't really help me. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, I've had, I'm an in-home therapist. So what I use is my cell phone. I don't have an office and they'll call me all day, all night. And I don't pick up even I'll be honest even if I can I don't because I want to teach them the boundaries and to be able to uh, write down their problems be able to self-care themselves and then to be able to come to me and when they come to me I have the freedom at my job now to give them almost not all all the time that they need but a little bit extra here and there And and they don't get upset when I don't pick up every other day of the week because then I'm able to, by creating that boundary, to give them all of my attention, all of my care at, the, at that time that's designated for them. And then we're able to hash out a lot more rather than them calling every day, me picking up every day and, me, and kind of, um, kind of uh, enabling them to 
to have like to focus on more of their problems but you're also teaching them how to self-care you know a lot of the time social workers and therapists and everybody's posting mental health stuff they're saying that to themselves too and we all need to be practicing that so um like dr jackie said you can clients can't wear us out and we have to continue to take care of ourselves for that to happen um but you know you're right jess there is a high turnover rate unfortunately amongst therapists amongst social workers amongst those and if you find the right boundary and you take care of yourself while taking care of the client correctly you'll be fine yeah that's amazing um do any of you ladies have any questions no you all have been quiet <laughs> <laughs> It's like soaking it in. It's like, oh, what are you taking it all in? Yeah, she's taking it all in. You guys hit um, so, so much. It was very eye-opening. All right. So um, I want to transition a little bit further back um, before we go into the last part. Um, we were discussing, like, the, you know, the topics list and um, postpartum depression um, had came up from Dr. Jackie. And I was like, I completely... I don't know why I forgot about this because I know after I had my daughter and they asked me those annoying questions after I just put, like pushed out a whole baby. I don't know if they did that to you, Amber, but I was annoyed. <laughs> to be honest, I don't remember them asking me anything. They did for me. And I'm just like answering the question. I'm like, well, you keep asking me the same questions over and over again. Yeah, I am going to get upset. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> my child's not latching on. My child's screaming. I'm a new mom. Like, you keep doing this. I'm sleep deprived. I am going to be upset. And I am going to have an attitude. So keep asking these questions. And I am going to, you know what I mean? Um, but anyway, um, outside of that, um, you know, postpartum depression amongst uh, minority women is very big. Um, and it is now, it, before where you were saying it was a silent thing, like, you know, my mom had five kids. She dealt with it. You better, you should learn how to deal with it or you should know how to deal with it. Or, oh, you only got one kid versus the person has three. Like, oh, that's nothing. That's light work. Like, you know what I mean? So um, I, I know you wanted to touch on that subject. And um, I feel like now it's becoming a, another thing that has been being put to the light um, of how many women it has affected and how many women that, um, have been famous that has had it and nobody ever knew that. Um, so I wanted you guys to, um, to expound upon that as well. Like, you know, how, how postpartum depression amongst minority women has become a, a thing now. Yeah. It, it always was a thing. It's just that we didn't know that's what it was, mm. you know, depending on how you grew up, you, you know, postpartum depression is real. It's always been real. It was real with our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, everyone. It's just that we didn't know what it was. You know, um, a few years ago or the past five years ago, you've been finding a lot of black babies in, in trash bags, mm. in trash cans, and, you know, abandoned um, because, first of all, these young mothers were having probably some type form of depression or mental illness prior to pregnancy. Or I, I mean, I, I, I have to share my own personal story. You know, I got pregnant at 16. I had my son at 17. And the whole time I was pregnant, my mother, I, they, I was the disgrace. I was the black sheep. I was, you know, I was disgracing everyone. I was embarrassing. I couldn't wear uh, maternity clothes. I never had a, um, a baby shower. I had the worst pregnancy ever, and I was depressed my entire pregnancy. Mm. 
know, I was depressed. I, I was told I was going to steal your baby. You'll never see it. You know, all sorts of things that I was told. So my son and I are very close. I, I mean, he was, uh, we're very close um, because I was afraid that, that he was going to be taken. So once I had him and I was living at home in, in my house, and so here it is, you know, he would cry and I couldn't handle it or, you know, um, I, I just couldn't do anything right for anyone or, or he would cry in one room and not go in another and, you know, and that's what I went through or I would just start crying and being upset and that's what I went through and I, I found myself just looking at my child and really wanting to make just pick him up I felt like I wanted to pick him up and throw him that's postpartum depression you know I didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't I never harmed my child but these are the things that are going on in with you know in um, minority families, women, and now with us being free and speaking about any type of mental illness, it's starting to be free to speak about the postpartum depression and how hard it is to really get yourself. I mean, you're looking at your body. It's not the way it used to be, or you can't, certain things are bothering you. And it is so much going on and postpartum is part of a depression that some women never shake out of. So now you have these women who have had postpartum depression that transitions into probably um, just depression and then major depression. And so now you have these children, all right? You have a lot of children in foster care who are growing up in foster care because their mother, has not been able to transition from postpartum to, you know, out of out of postpartum, just into regular depression, alcoholism, drug use, mm. all of that will come in. This is called self-medicating. All this will happen. So um, the reason why I wanted to touch on postpartum, you know, for those of, of us who have had children, those of us that are looking to have children, to know that this is real and it's okay. You're going to go through it. I'm going to be honest. Not one mother that didn't have a child didn't go through it. It just didn't. Some of it was worse than others. But some have gone through it. If it was a day or so, but it happens. And to recognize these signs. Recognize the signs of not wanting to bond with your child. Crying why you don't know. Crying and have no idea why you're crying. Um, not even wanting to, to, to um, dress or get dressed, or take a shower, or eating, or not eating, or, you know, go, they go through it, they go through right. it, and these are signs that also, if you have friends that are, are pregnant, or just had a baby, or whatever, they may say something, they may say, you know, I just, I, I just can't do this right now, and you know what, at that moment, they can't, and that's when you step in, and say, you know what, let me take the baby, or let me take you out, or something like that, um, it's something that we have to make sure that we give the women that comfort that they need during that time. Right. Sometimes it doesn't last that long, but I definitely wanted to um, touch on that because it's a real thing. It's not going away. Yeah. I feel as long like as we have babies, it's not going away. I hear so, you. <laughs> you know, just to know what it is. I, I feel like it, it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, suck it up, like stop being a baby. <laughs> you got a whole human being that you need to um, 
yeah. needs to take care of. Because, like, now that you were describing that, I was, I'm sitting here like, I definitely had one of those dates where, yes. um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was frustrated one night because um, Liv couldn't, wasn't latching properly. And I'm like, I can't feed her. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I'm upset. Um, and then I had another night where, like, she just kept waking up and I was so tired I just started crying and I'm like, it's four o'clock in the morning. I, I don't have the strength to feed her. I said, I can't. And my mom had came in and she's just like, just pump and I'll take her into the other room. You try to get some sleep. Like I, I was like, I felt so defeated. I was just like, I, I, like, I don't know if I can do this for like the next couple months. Like mm-hmm. I, you I, I give up right there. That's yeah, up now. And, and it, it was it was really it was really hard. And now that you're you're saying that, I'll, and I'm sitting here thinking that that's just like normal. That's just what women go through. Um, that's what having a newborn is. And you're ta- telling me that I'm like, oh, there's been a couple nights like that. I don't know about this. So, um, and, and it's interesting that you said that, especially you were saying like it, it it could be for a day, it could be for a week, it could be you know from time to time. But like. Like you said, it, it's interesting because, like I said, I, I never viewed it that way. Um, so now that you've put it into that perspective of that realm, it's like, oh, well, yeah, that, that is a real thing. Like, it's like reality hits you right then and there. So I know for me, that my personal experience, then, yeah, I did experience some type of postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you were able to uh, be open to, to talk about that, especially um, we still do have teenage mothers. You know, um, they have their own show now. You know? <laughs> they have their own reality show. Right. You know, Teen Mom and all this other stuff. But um, it's real. Yeah. You know, it's real. And it's still yet another area of mental health right. that we need to, to reach out to. And if you know a therapist, reach out to that as well. To them as right. Well. Anybody else have anything to add to that? You ladies are quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember per se having anything with postpartum depression. Like, you know, you have your days that are up and down. And I think sometimes maybe you might have had it and you put it off as I had an up and down day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, I know that I did deal with some, you know, just a lot of emotions having to do with having a child and having a child out of wedlock. And having to and having a child and feeling like I didn't fulfill, you know, the things that I was supposed to be fulfilling. So I feel like in an, in some type of way that that part of it affected me a lot, and I had to really dig deep and, you know, maybe I should have had gone to therapist back then um, to deal with some of those things that I was dealing with at the time because I remember just like feeling like I would be so upset and distraught and and crying and then I would in public you would never know. Right. It's like that's postpartum. They'll come over <laughs> and it's it? like it's like lights, camera, action, ready, here we go. Get it together. Yeah, no, no, I would come out the room smiling and laughing and joking. Nobody would ever know. Yeah. Right. That you had a full on mental breakdown in in your room. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. That's, and that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. And 
was like, no, I didn't, because you started, I was like, I don't remember having it, and then when you've yeah. been explaining it, it's like, wait a minute, Maybe yeah, I, I did, <laughs> you know, so, and it's, you can't, also, I heard you said, maybe you should have, you can't, can't go back to the shoulda, coulda, woulda, mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother used to say, you can't, can't go back to the shoulda, coulda, woulda, doesn't matter, you know, it, you, you, you survived it, mm -hmm. but, but now you can recognize it, right, and you have friends. Right. and family members and you you recognize that it's like i see that or if you don't see it check on them you know right, and right. Like, be honest with me you know my my <laughs> i had a girlfriend and had a baby at 40 and she had postpartum depression as soon as she gave birth <laughs> we finally went to the room and everyone was holding a baby she did not hold her baby she would not hold that baby. And um, awesome woman of God. <laughs> so I picked up the baby and I held the baby. And I looked at her and she, her, her knowing that I was a therapist, she leaned down, she said, I'm scared of her. Mm. I said, well, she said, I'm scared of her. She said, I can't hold her, I'm scared of her. So I held the baby, you know, and of course I prayed. <laughs> I walked around. And, I, and everyone left the room, and then I looked at her, and I said, are you ready to meet your daughter? She, her daughter was alive for maybe eight hours before she touched her. She would not touch her. Wow. She would not touch her. Cool. So those are, that's postpartum. I mean, she had it instantly. And um, she finally, and when I put her daughter on her chest, um, she had a C-section also. So when I put her daughter on her chest, um, she said, don't leave and don't let her go. So here it is. Her baby's on the chest. I'm holding the baby on her chest like this. She's looking at the baby. I was like, are you ready? And when she said she was ready for me to let go, that's when I let go. That's when she began to bond with her child. But for the first few hours of the child, she had a birth, giving birth, she had postpartum depression. It was really afraid to touch the baby. Now, is that something that you can prevent? No? Hmm. You know what? Maybe we should research that. <laughs> I, I've never heard of anybody preventing it. Um, maybe, maybe if you're healthy or you talk, maybe if you talk about it while you're pregnant or before you're pregnant, I, 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 you know, I was, I had a sad, like I said, I had a sad pregnancy. Um, so I think that's why I went through it. You know, right. um, my girlfriend at 40, um, she, first of all, she was single and, and the stress of it is, is like, I'm having a baby at 40. You know? <laughs> so right then, and she was depressed her entire pregnancy as well. Hmm. So I don't know, maybe, maybe just being healthy, mentally healthy, mm -hmm. talking about things that could happen and what you want to do or who you want beside you, if it might happen or um, a safe person, maybe that is, it may be something that um, you can pre prevent if you, I, I believe just talking about it and addressing it before it could possibly happen or something like that. Hmm. That's that's definitely worth researching, Joy. Now, what is the time frame? Like, 
what is the time frame of this thing I have for postpartum depression? Could it be like another like one, two years old? Like, is there a time frame that you would say? Or I don't, th I don't think it is. I've, I've known, I've heard of women having postpartum for like the child's first year, and then they had to take um, psychotropic medications for depression. It went straight. So it went from it went from postpartum into a deeper depression, a different type of depression. So I, I really don't think that postpartum lasts for a very long time, but I do believe that it can transition into a, another type of depression if not addressed. Mm, that's good. That's good. And like and next, our next episode, we're actually going to be talking about um, infertility. Um, in women. So I think that's like, it's like a perfect segue for our next episode next week. Um, but um, you did bring up a, a segue into our next topic, which Great. is how do we find a therapist? What is, what is the, what is the qualifications? What, what do we need to do to find a therapist? Okay, Miriam, I'm going to let you start with that one. Tag team, yes. <laughs> All right, so um, it depends on a lot of things. So there's, you know, first thing you could do is look at your insurance. What insurance could you have? If you go on your insurance website, you just, uh, it tells you what therapists will be covered. So that's one way. Um, if you, if your insurance does not cover too many, or if you um, need needed to be free if you don't have insurance there are definitely uh different organizations depending maybe on if you uh depending on like maybe um like for example there are there's a lot of organizations that help with domestic violence and sexual assault and um uh homelessness like dr jackie was talking about and they'll, they'll give free therapy there. There are clinics that will give uh, therapy for free. Um, there are, there's even a lot of telehealth before even this even started, the pandemic started. There's a lot of telehealth, a popular uh, website's called like a better, uh, what's it called? Better help or better. Uh, mm -hmm. that's better health. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about signing up with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great opportunity to do that. Um, but it, you know, there's so many different ways. Look at your county. Every county has uh, many different services too. There's like Catholic charities. There's so many different things. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. There's exactly ditto. <laughs> ditto. Exactly what she said. Um, you know, and then you have the right to interview the therapist, you know, you sit and talk with the therapist and see if you know, it's a good fit. You want somebody that you're going to be free talk to talk to and feel freedom understand that we're all cross trained however most people are going to be comfortable with their own you know mm -hmm. they're going to feel that you can understand them a little bit better you know so it is it is what it is that's the reality of it you know um but all therapists across uh, cross-cultural train trained i don't know about you or marion but i know that i had to do a lot of uh culture cultural immersion classes mm -hmm. where you had to go and be a part of a different culture so you can understand what's important to them right. versus what's important to you um but um i, I sent you a list of um 
of, of uh, outreach numbers? Yes, I have that and I'll be posting that um, on our um, all our Facebook page and our Instagram page um, right after this airs, of course. Um, but um, they will be available to everyone. So um, Dr. Jackie, like she said, she gave me a list of um, a lot of different resources um, for us to deal with pretty much or to talk to somebody or to find what we need to find. So all those resources will be posted on our website. Um, so that way every, it's, it's, it's accessible to everyone. Um, because like I said, like we kind of said in this, in this entire episode, therapy is for everyone. It's for everybody. It's, it's self-care, it's mental health. It's for, it's for everyone. Um, it's not to say that it's only for one, one race over another, or anything like that. Um, and, that's what I really wanted to, I guess you could say, focus on because it's not only just a spirituality thing or a mental health thing, or it's a, it's a person thing. It's a whole person thing. Um, when those three are not in in (laughs) synergy within each other, it, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot that that can can happen. Um, so that was like the main reason for this episode was to make sure that, um, we address it as well, especially as Christians as well, and to help understand those disparities um, and also to help clarify um, the difference between the three. Um, and for some of us, just the two, if you, if you always thought it was just spiritual and mental kind of thing. Um, but to understand, so this was definitely informative <laughs> for one, because it taught me something tonight. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I just love it. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for you, Dr. Jackie. I'm thankful for you, um, Miriam. It, it just expanded my mind to a place where like, I'm just like, yes, I cannot wait for my therapy session next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, yes, I'll go get it together. Like, I can't wait. Um, like I said, I'm a big, I'm a big therapy like person to tell, tell people like, listen, I, I'm an like, Go do it. It is bomb. Once you find your, your therapist, I promise you, whatever you were paying before, now that we have these resources that they're going to be integrated medicine, because I'm about to call my insurance company tomorrow to find out how many of these can I get with yeah. the insurance. Yeah. Yeah, um, and find out if your therapist is also in, maybe in your network, in the, right. in the network of, you know, so um, that you, you may be able to Cause sometimes if they're not, it's just like the dentist. My dentist is not, he's, you know, he's a prostodontist. He's not in anybody's network. You gotta pay money to go see him, period. But my insurance will pay for certain x-rays and right. certain cleanings and whatnot. So, okay, well, you know, if, if, if your therapist may be in a network or maybe not, or maybe your, um, your network, your insurance may pay for an extra few minutes or a certain day of the week or something like that. But right. it's definitely worth researching. Absolutely. And I, and I, like I said, I think, thank God for both of you guys on this episode. It, it was, it was amazing. I, I personally enjoyed every minute of this yes. two hours or however long this timer says right now. <laughs> um, but like it, 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 it's real. And, you know, like I said, I, I just wanted to emphasize, like, you know, it, it's part of self-care. Like if you don't take time out to sit with yourself, sit with yourself with somebody else, it, it, it can lead to so many different things and behaviors and things that will just end up showing its face in some 
some situations that you really don't want it to be. Um, so, you know, I thank you guys for this. Um, what about anybody else have any final thoughts about tonight? Was no, great. I was just, uh, so um, one thing that Dr. Jackie just said about the schizophrenia and telling someone to listen to the, the voice of God, I never thought of that whole situation. Mm -hmm. I'm just like looking at like I just finished watching um Joker. <laughs> I'm just like, yo, if somebody had told him that, like he was already like on the edge. And then if somebody had told him that, it would have been like a massacre. Yeah, that, set you up. Real. Cause like I'm I thought about I said I thought the same thing, Joy. And I was like, can you imagine like Yeah if you if you were to say that and you had no knowledge like and and even as like intercessors mm -hmm. um when we're up there praying for people and we tell somebody like now that makes me a little bit more aware now like as a leader at, and is as you know a youth youth teacher um an intercessor like as i'm praying for people mm -hmm. and laying hands on people like these are things now that are going to run through my head as well because like you said i wasn't thinking about that if i'm if yeah. i'm, if I'm I'm sitting here like, well, why don't you listen to it? Like, you know what I mean? But then not realizing like what I'm saying could possibly harm somebody. Because um, they don't have, they can't distinguish who the right. voice God is and who the voice that's already telling them exactly. to do and, and now I'm doing more damage than good yeah. that I think that I'm doing. That, that, hear, that was a perfect point. Yeah, and you hear about a lot of crimes, people who have mental illness, and you hear them, I mean, was it just a, a guy who killed his father mm -hmm. and his mother they came to visit and he said that god said that they were evil and that they needed to wow. die mm -hmm. you know and he killed them you know that's someone and he had a mental illness this was in philadelphia i believe you know so um you you have you have to be careful of how you you know if you start to see or suspect i can't say see but if you start to suspect that someone may have a mental illness that that um that that heavy you know you really um might want to just like you said as an intercessor when you're praying for someone to be careful i mean that's the one thing that i would i i definitely feel that pastors should know just please be very careful how you tell someone to listen to another voice when they're listening i was in a session and i was actually um twisting my ankle and when I twist my ankle it pops and you can hear go click 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 so I'm sitting across this consumer he's talking to me and I'm going click click he went oh no <laughs> and then I had to stop and then he then he he leaned in because he had to and I've had clients that would come with tissue in their ear and they'll say it helps with the voices. They do hear voices. Yeah. So, and you would, I would have to ask them, this, this is firsthand, like I said, working in a mental prison. They do hear voices. And they would put tissue in their ear. And they would say it helps to calm the voices. Some hear maybe one or two. Some may hear a lot going on. Um, but they hear them. They do hear them. So if you tell someone to listen to the voice of God, or I want you to, I'm like, mm, because you know, we we just have to we have to know. Yeah, that that was a that was a great point. Um, and like I said, now I feel like I need I, I'm gonna be like super intentional. Now. 
because I'm like, you know, it, it really, it really is an interesting topic. Um, and that point that you brought up and it was super important because I mean, whew, you, you be sitting there like, okay, don't pray for this, this, that, and the third. And it's just like, but they don't tell you, Hey, by the way, I need you to be aware as well of people who might have one mental health. They'll tell you not to pray for like dates, date, date, dates, babies, and something else, but they don't tell you that part. Yeah. And now that like, like I said, that I'm aware of that, it's like, yo, I really need to reevaluate my whole intercessor life. Like, <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I'm not an intercessor in the church. I definitely am an intercessor. And the one thing that I learned when I went to, um, I actually took a course in prayer, is that listen to the, the you, <laughs> you listen to the Holy Spirit. Right. When somebody comes in front of you first before you open your mouth, because the Holy Spirit will speak for you and right. there's there's no danger in what's being said when the holy spirit is in total control absolutely anyone else have any closing remarks takeaways comments <laughs> no i'm gonna say no tomorrow morning at 9 a.m <laughs> <laughs> no i'll sit here going through a whole conversation in her head that's why she looked like that she, she counting down the hours He's like, I'm going to say no. <laughs> Be like, Noel, can you? Nope. <laughs> well, uh, nope. Nope. Noel, nope. what kind of day are we going to have tomorrow? Nope. Nope. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, well, that's awesome. But I hope that you set up some healthy boundaries. Yes. I'm going to have to write them down. <laughs> this is an, uh, an awesome episode. I really enjoyed every moment. And I definitely was very happy to hear everything that Miriam and Dr. Jackie shared this evening. You guys, I, I, this was like free game, seriously. Right. A whole free, awesome. free therapy session. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, right. This was amazing. Thank you both. Thank you. Once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. You all are very, like I said, you're amazing young women. Um, unapologetically you i love it <laughs> amber do you have anything no i loved it i learned some things <laughs> saw some things in a new perspective you know yeah. so definitely a lot to take maybe i'll find my therapist right? <laughs> i'm looking for mine too <laughs> next telling you next wednesday cannot come fast enough <laughs> 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 Mary, do you have any closing remarks? No, this was great. Thank you, Dr. Jackie, coming on. Thank you. Yes. yes well, thank you. we thank you guys. Um, and this is going to air and it's going to be up. And I can't wait to see the responses from this. Um, I will put up, like I said, the um, information, the phone numbers for everyone to be have access to, to be able to get the resources that you need. I mean, the best thing is, is to be educated, um, especially on what's out there. And, you know, like I said, I thank God for this episode because in times like this is like things like this that we need um, the most. It's not just about one thing um, or the other, but it's about the whole. So um, yeah, I'm excited. I thank you guys. I thank everybody on this um, podcast today. It's 
just MP6 and Dr. Jackie and I love it. And you know, <laughs> we're definitely going to do something more like this about like, cause it, it, it's amazing. Like I said, we scratched, the, we scratched the surfaces tonight, but I feel like the scratches that we made were super deep. So <laughs> um, definitely going to have another group, th group therapy session. So I'll, I think that's what we're going to name this episode is group therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're gonna name this mb6 group therapy with dr jackie that's, that's <laughs> yes. um because it was just it, it was nothing short of amazing and i just thank god for like i said just the holy spirit coming in and even virtually being able to do mm -hmm. what he needed to do tonight and um yeah so we're waiting for noelle's nose um amber's therapy looking for a therapist <laughs> joy is out here sitting here trying to figure out the difference between joker and you know these people out here <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm, I'm gonna look into getting a therapist see yes i think we all have some homework yes, yes. we do we do <laughs> thank you dr jack uh, <laughs> yeah it's nothing it. wrong with it at all you will find that you know again it's like we're people too just that this is what we love to do right you know, whatever you're doing and you really love to do it, it you can't wear you down. Again, we know to set boundaries like uh, and, and those boundaries teach you how to be more independent and also, you know, self-provoking. Thought, thinking about, you know, how to make the right decisions on your own. Um, right. I'm not really a fan of like just choosing any type of um, um, site, but I really like the SAMHSA site that you will see. That SAMHSA site has so many different free toolkits that you can use on your own, you know, that you can order and booklets. There's a lot of free information. I mean, there's a lot of sites that you have, but the SAMHSA site, which is a, 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 a um, what is it, association? What is it, Miriam? SAMHSA. It's a mental health site, okay? <laughs> but the SAMHSA, I mean, we use it with the state. Everyone uses it. They have a lot of free things that you get. Even when I mentioned the coloring, they even have coloring pages on there. <laughs> yeah, so that will all be posted. And um, yeah, other than that, like I said, thank you, Dr. Jackie. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you, ladies. I, I love you guys all. I'm excited. Um, this is our second to last episode, guys. And then our season's over. So, but we ended it on a really, we're like, we're ending it on like with a bang. Cause like this episode, like I said, it, it's nothing sort of amazing. So um, with that, we'll see you guys on the next episode. We love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Go to the website and shoot us an email at info at misperceptionspod.com. We want to hear your feedback, your prayer requests, and your questions. Keep it funky. For all marketing opportunities and interest in sponsorship, you can contact us at our email as well. You can also keep the conversation going by following us on Facebook or Instagram at misperceptionspod, M-I-S-S-P-E-R-C-E-P-T-I- O-N-S-P-O-D, and on Twitter at MP6POD.